0: visit roberthalf.com today
1: welcome to fantasy football today dfs my name is siya Ajad. that that you're watching on youtube that's mike mcclure Hopefully you're watching on YouTube. You might be listening. Either way, you're getting a game by game preview from us for week two for the main slate. And we're going to touch on showdown at the end of this show. So for those of you that are watching live, um, we can promise you that each Thursday show will touch on showdown the Thursday night slate at the very end of the show. Mike, how are you doing today?
0: Doing well. Very busy today, today. But other than that, we're great. Uh, busy is a good thing this time of year. It means we've got awesome showdown opportunities to make money and prepping for the main slate. So ready to go. Big
1: slate this week. Let's do it. Before we get to showdown, I, I, I'm curious about, or excuse me, before we get to the main set, I'm curious about tonight's game, just from a, a, a game standpoint. I know the Chiefs are your team. Uh, what are your expectations of this game? We have a total of, I think it's 54 and the Chiefs are favored by four, not asking you to make a play, but what are your general expectations? Yeah,
0: no, I think the game should be very competitive. Like most division games are in the NFL. Uh, these two teams definitely Our teams that know each other, uh, it's a fun matchup we're going to get hopefully for the next decade here uh, with these two quarterbacks. But I will tell you, I did play the Kansas City Chiefs minus three and a half early in the week uh, and cautioned on early edge. I would not play them at four and a half. Uh, I really don't even want to play them at four. I want three and a half is the only number that I was playing them at. Um, And then as far as leans on the game, I still lean under, which is very terrifying with these two offenses and quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I expect a very competitive game tonight. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Chargers really operate without Keenan Allen. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the Kansas City side, what kind of dose of Travis Kelsey are we going to see? I, I'm pretty high on Travis Kelsey as well. So lean well, towards the Chiefs,
1: lean towards the under. Yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly he certainly proved you right last week. So let's get into it. Let's get in the main slate. I do want to point out that our contest, which only has the capacity this week for 150, we're almost full. So I think we have like 18 spots left. So for those of you that are watching us live, go ahead and, you know, you can click on Tuesday's show. I think there's a link on on this particular YouTube show, but go ahead and sign up for that before it it fills up. Uh, you know, next week, we'll probably extend that to 200 to make sure we get uh, a lot of people in there. But for those of you that have already signed up for that, uh, hopefully you'll do it every week. We appreciate you signing up early because um, it gives us cause to like make this tournament bigger, make the prize pool bigger, um, payouts and all that stuff. So Appreciate you there, Mike. Let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with, uh, Carolina at the New York Giants. Uh, we, we got a two-point favorite here, the Giants being the favorite. It's a 43.5-point total. I'll just say right off the bat, there are not a lot of high totals this week. I mean, obviously, we have we have Vegas and the um, Arizona Cardinals. That's over 50. We have that Washington-Detroit game that's just under 50. And there's there's a few games that are, like, teetering on that upper 40 range. But most of the games are kind of in this 43-44-point total. Um Carolina, they allowed a lot of explosive plays last week. Uh, CMC wasn't great, but he was on the field a ton, and that's really all we want from him. Uh, Daniel Jones was good, not great, 17-21 to for 188 yards, two touchdowns uh, and an interception, 25 yards rushing. Uh, I think he's interesting because of his price. Uh, Anybody else interesting here? We talked about Saquon on Tuesday. We talked about CMC. Are those two guys that are going to be in your player pool this week?
0: Uh, yeah, Saquon will definitely be in the player pool. Um, McCaffrey most likely. Uh, you look McCaffrey. I think it's a really interesting buy low opportunity. You're certainly not buying low on the price point, but you are after that performance uh, and based on where some of the projected ownerships coming in. So I don't mind him. Definitely not a core play. Um, really, really not a core play for me. But I love Saquon again. Everyone loves Saquon. He is going to be the most popular player. That is not a defense in special teams this week, uh, but for good reason, because the way Saquon Barkley played, he
1: should also be 8,500 or, 8, or more. I uh, totally agree there. Uh, any pass catchers in this game? I, I do want to point out just from a pass catching standpoint that um, the Giants against Tennessee last week, they did get gashed through the air. So I, I assume we're going to see a lot more production out of CMC specifically through the air. So uh, like, I, I think we're going to see probably a few more rush attempts, but a few more targets as well. So that's something to consider uh, there. But any pass catchers that catch your eye here, you know, one guy I considered at a very low 4,200 was Kadarius Tony, And obviously, you know, you know, there's reports that he was practicing with the third team this week, but I think those reports have been walked back a little bit. Either way, he was only on the field for about, I think, seven snaps. He might have gotten two touches in week one. My thought there is okay, Kadarius Tony is clearly in the doghouse, but also he was recovering from a knee injury the entire preseason, so he's probably not going to get a full complement of snaps week one. With that in mind, is you know we're going to have to wait to hear reports on Kadarius Tony. But if we start to hear that Kadarius Tony's is going to get more playing time and that he's he's starting to practice with the ones on you know tomorrow, for example, on Friday, is that somebody you would consider at 4,200?
0: Maybe. Uh, The the issue is there's the Arizona game. Uh, There's some value pieces there, so I don't know how necessary it would be. Uh, I'm never going to say you can't play him because we all know the kind of upside that he possesses anytime he touches the football. Uh, I question what kind of role he really will have as long as Saquon Barkley is really healthy also. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to avoid it, but there is a pass catcher in this game that I always have a little interest in, uh, especially when he hasn't scored a touchdown, no one's really talking about him at all. That's going to be DJ Moore, uh, Mm -hmm. $5,700 for the Panthers. If the passing game for McCaffrey is working, it is going to open things up for DJ Moore. The issue with it is, is I think that you're still banking on the 60 to 70 yard touchdown reception from DJ Moore to really pay off this price tag. Uh, But it's one that I could totally get to. Um, Look, he also typically will have at least one or two rushing plays in in these games. So I haven't decided how I'm attacking him just yet. He might make my player pool. If he doesn't make my player pool, I'm probably going to play his longest reception over uh, in the sports betting player prop market. It'll typically come in around 22 to 23 yards will be the prop on the longest reception for DJ Moore. So I'll either be attacking him that way or through DFS here um, in some of my lineups.
1: Last thing here, Richie James actually got a lot of targets last week. If we come to hear that we know Wandale Robinson is not going to play this this week, if we come to hear that Kadarius Tony remains in the doghouse, likely doesn't get a lot of touches, because Richie James is 3,200, are we just treating last week as a complete aberration and he could he could be a guy with one target and, and zero catches week two? Or are we thinking maybe at 3,200 we can slot him in? I know there's other receivers in that range that we'll talk about later, but Richie James on the radar at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's got to be on the radar if we think that Tony's not going to get to play, uh, um, you know, at that point. But it is a super fragile situation, like a, a zero is well within the range of outcomes in this game,
1: no matter what. Absolutely. We always have to be careful with uh, these 3,200, 3,000 receivers. I was the king of trying to plug one in and, and win a big tournament last year. And for the most part, those don't work out. So let's go to the New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is only a 40 point total. It looks like a game to largely avoid, if not entirely avoid. And Mike, I'll be frank with you, we certainly don't need to spend the same amount of time on each game. I mean, we just spent about five minutes on that Giants game. I think there's some intriguing players. My question here is, from a fantasy standpoint, from a main slate standpoint, any intriguing players here?
0: Honestly, no. Um, I can't see myself really getting anywhere in this game. Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. The only exception, I, I think the real exception that I could make here would be Friar at tight end if you wanted mm-hmm. to take a stance on maybe you don't want to pay up for Mark Andrews which doesn't appear to be super popular uh Albert O for the Broncos is going to be the chalk at tight end this week um mm-hmm. the price point is somewhat similar here I like that it's elevated from Albert O um the thing that stands out to me he had 10 targets uh in that last game Najee a little bit banged up Uh, It still projects as a game that should be pretty competitive. I I think that you could do a lot worse at 4,400. Who knows if we'll see 10 targets again. Uh, I think we'll definitely see five plus. Um, So I think that this would be the only play that I could get to in this game.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, I, I do want to point out Najee Harris did return to a full practice today, the, today being Thursday. So that's certainly um, something, you know, good for Najee and for redraft fantasy owners of Najee Harris. I know Jalen Warren was popular this week as a pickup, but looks like Najee's going to play, but doesn't make my uh, decision uh, any different. I don't want to play anybody in this game. I think if we start to hear something about Ramondre Stevenson, maybe that he gets a larger role, particularly in the, in the, passing game. Maybe that's somebody to consider as a mega contrarian play, but I'm just not interested. Let's move on to uh, Tampa Bay and the new Orleans. This is a 44 point total. Uh, It's a two and a half point spread. Uh, Tampa Bay being favored by two and a half at new Orleans and new Orleans has been given the bucks fits for years. Now, a lot of injuries to consider here. So Kamara has a rib injury. Um, He was limited Wednesday and then did not practice on Thursday. Uh, Leonard Fournette has a hamstring, but he did practice on Thursday Mike Evans has a calf, Julio with a knee. Uh, they did not practice on Thursday. Uh, I think Evans is the, the one we want to worry about there because I know he's pretty popular already with the uh, with the ownership. Russell Gage did return to practice. I do want to point out that it's not really all about the skill players, right? Because the offensive line for the Bucs is in trouble too. They've had some injuries on this offensive line preseason and in week one. So uh, I don't know how I feel about a popular guy, Mike, like Leonard Fournette. Who, for the record, ran 22 routes and received 23 of the 31 carries. He's certainly going to be the workhorse, and with all with all the receivers kind of, you know, in and out of practice, I, I think they're going to lean on Leonard Fournette more than anything. But on that side of the ball, the Buck side of the ball, is Fournette a yes or a no for you? And is there anybody else on that side of the ball, the Buck side, that you're interested in?
0: Yeah, look, Fournette's going to be a no for me at this point, uh, mostly because of the projected ownership that I'm seeing right now. Um, He looks to be incredibly popular. It makes a ton of sense when they're all banged up. He is the option. We know he is active in the passing game and should be. Um, There's just so many running backs that I, I don't envision the scenario where Leonard Fournette has the spike game here this week. That really, really hurts my lineups by not having him there. Uh, I think a more likely scenario is, especially with himself dealing with an injury, is that he has a kind of middling performance, maybe doesn't even find the end zone. uh, And I'm much better off for not playing him. So I'm out on Leonard Fournette this week personally. Um, Other plays that I would want to play on the Tampa Bay side... I'm, if you want to play Mike Evans in a tournament, if as long as he's active, I think it's okay. Uh, but I'm mostly off of Tampa Bay. Uh, I can say right now, I don't think I have a single Tampa Bay player in my player pool.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll go ahead and co-sign there. I don't. I'm not going to have any Tampa Bay players in my player pool either. On the New Orleans side of the ball, I mean, listen, Kamara, I would be interested in in him here as sort of a contrarian play, but. I'm not so sure what's going on with the rib injury. He only had 12 touches for 46 yards. Again, he's got that rib injury. He didn't run a ton of routes. that That's the problem. Like, he's not getting the passing work. Again, I know it's only week one, but we do have a new quarterback. We do have a new coach. There's just a lot of sort of indecisiveness going on here, and I don't like that he stayed in to block on a lot of dropbacks for Jameis Winston. So I'm not really interested on the New Orleans side of the ball too much either. Michael Thomas looked great. He made the most of his eight targets. He caught five of them, two awesome touchdown catches. I mean, I don't know how else to describe them other than awesome. He just went up and got it. I think those are the types of catches that your standard receiver in the NFL just doesn't catch the majority of the time. But Michael Thomas can. With that said, I'm still not super enamored with playing Michael Thomas in this particular game. I don't want to play Chris Olave. Uh, I don't want to play Jarvis Landry. This looks like another stay-away game for me, Mike.
0: Yeah, it's mostly a stay away game. I've got Michael Thomas in the player pool, but it is at the very, very bottom of the player pool. Uh, It's kind of unfortunate that this is the matchup that we get the $5,800 price tag after we've seen one game of him. Uh, I fully expect Michael Thomas to be a $7,000 wide receiver uh, very, very quickly this season. So I will admit that I I do think you're definitely getting a value at 5,800. I'm just not sure that this is the best opportunity for it and I think the most likely scenario here is he scores 18 fantasy points which is okay at the price tag it's not going to win you a tournament or anything but it's going to be just enough that we're going to be talking about this next week and he's going to be 6,500 next week when we talk about it and he probably didn't really give you a ton of upside on the 5,800 so I'm okay sending it out here but
1: I'm certainly expecting him to be $7,000 sooner than later yeah, it certainly makes sense. Um, let's go ahead to the next game. The next game, it's another one that we're probably not going to be playing much of. But everybody everybody listening, don't worry, because the next few games, we're, we're going to start to ramp it up and, and sort of start talking about games that I know I'm going to be very interested in. And I know Mike is going to be very interested, but let's get this game out of the way. New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. I mean, for me. I hate to say it, but there's just nothing to see here. I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking at the board here. I don't see a ton of value at the running back position. I'm not going to play a 7,100 Nick Chubb, although I do think that's an interesting contrarian play. Uh, the receiver position, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a guy that is interesting only because he got 11 targets. He caught six of them. Didn't really have much to show for it from a, from a yardage standpoint, 60 total yards. I the, the total is 40 it tied for the lowest total in in the main slate uh, anything to see here Mike
0: no I mean it's Nick Chubb or bust uh, at this point mm-hmm. um, you know maybe if you're 150 maxing maybe Kareem Hunt uh, if the game gets more competitive he's active in the passing game which is something we love found the end zone last week um, look he's still getting 11 carries but Nick Chubb has a massive workload too. it. just tells you they're going to want to run the football. I do think that this backfield and the line in general is it's a better situation to run than the Ravens were equipped to run on this jets team the last, uh, last week. Um, so this might shock you and you, I I might catch some heat for it, but honestly, I'd rather play Nick Chubb than Leonard Fournette. And and I know that that might sound crazy. Uh, I think Nick Chubb's going to have a huge workload. He's going to have 25 carries or 25 touches in this game. Uh, It's just a matter of finding the end zone. Like, he didn't find the end zone at all last week. Kareem Hunt got in the end zone there at that point. But with just one touchdown added to this box score, we're starting to talk about Nick Chubb a lot more after last week. Um, Yeah, I I like Nick Chubb if I had to play someone in this game.
1: And I'm going to do it over Leonard Fournette if I have to. Just to be clear on the Chubb over Fournette call, which I don't mind at all, uh, is that strictly a GPP play for you and specifically not a cash play?
0: Yeah, I'm not playing either one of them in cash games. Uh, I think Leonard Fournette will be a popular play in all formats. Um, So I'm really taking a stance on not playing Leonard Fournette more so than taking a stance on playing Nick Chubb. Uh, But if you Found yourself playing a tournament lineup and you were wanting to play Leonard Fournette in it that has zero other correlation, meaning no one else on the New Orleans side not playing the Tampa Bay defense with it. I would highly recommend finding a way to play Nick Chubb over Leonard Fournette in that lineup.
1: Absolutely love it. Okay, so we're going to go to Miami and Baltimore. But before we do that, I do want to ask everybody that's watching, go ahead and hit the like button for us. Um, that's going to be really important as you as you watch us um, week to week, every Tuesday and Thursday. We would really appreciate as soon as you get in here hitting the like button. I did notice some questions. We are going at a pretty fast pace, so we'll probably get to the questions a little bit later. But. If you can, uh, maybe a focus on the DFS as opposed to some of the redraft stuff. Again, if we can get to those redraft questions, we will. Thursday's such a high pace that we're probably just going to get to the DFS questions and, and not some of the some of the redraft stuff. So let's talk about Miami and Baltimore. So Mike, I know you're somewhat interested in this game. We've got Baltimore at home. They're a three and a half point favorite. It's a 44 and a half point total. The problem I have with this game, personally, is the offensive line issues on both sides of the ball and the pace that the Miami Dolphins played last week. With that said, I think there is some big play upside on both sides of the ball. I mean, that's obvious, right? Lamar can take take one to the house, of course. But the way that offense runs, you can find, just like last week, guys like Devin DuVernay or, or specifically Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, they can get theirs. We know that they can get theirs on on limited targets. On the other side of the ball, we have Tyreek Hill, we have Jalen Waddle, and that's pretty much it. We're not interested in any other receivers. I don't know that I'm. I know Chase Edmonds is a good price. I'm not super interested in him, especially with the offensive line issues that the Miami Dolphins are having. I got to tell you, in this game, I have started to decide that I'm probably not going to be on much here. Um, it's kind of one of those things where I either play Lamar Jackson or or I don't. I wanna I wanna be either heavy on him or not heavy on him. So I'm not even gonna dabble there. But tell me what you're gonna do with this game.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna play Lamar. Uh I like Lamar Jackson. I'm gonna stack him up with Mark Andrews. Uh look, it's this week's version of Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, essentially. Um, I, I like the spot for it. I, I think this game has some sneaky shootout potential. Um I say sneaky. Like we know that there's big plays waiting to happen on both sides of the ball. 44 and a half point total doesn't necessarily scream a ton of points, a ton of upside, big plays. Uh, but I, I do like it here. I think Mark Andrews has a big game in this particular matchup. Uh, I can tell you right now I have three quarterbacks that I'm going to play. It's going to be Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz. are the three quarterbacks that I've got circled right now and here in my data on the player pool. Um, So I like Lamar, and I think of those three, Lamar handcuffed with Mark Andrews is going to be the least popular.
1: So that's where I'm going to go. Okay. On the other side of the ball, is this a stack that is going to have a runback? I know not all stacks require a runback. What what are you going to do on that side of the ball?
0: Yeah, I... In cash games, no. I won't have it stacked up in cash games. Uh, there will be an additional tournament lineup where it will be. Uh, and this is the first week of the season. We're going to try it out that I have
1: meaningful interest in playing Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Tyreek Hill is is 7,100. It looks like he's being schemed to get the ball. I mean, that's the good news. And yep. it shouldn't be a surprise. I think Mike McDaniels is is really making a concerted effort to make sure he gets the ball. With that said, you know, any worries about just the, the, the Ravens defense in general? Or is it the type of thing where when Tyreek Hill gets schemed to get open and to get targets, it doesn't really matter about the defense?
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter about the defense to me personally. Uh, he's just got to lead upside. I think the game's going to also be a very, very competitive game. He... Definitely feeds off of having other superstar players there. Lamar Jackson Mm. is certainly that. Um, It's one thing we've seen from his time in Kansas City. So I like the fact that he had 12 targets last week. Uh, Like you said, definitely scheming to try and put the football in his hands. Did not score a touchdown. One of the other players that had he scored a touchdown with his, what, eight catches, 94 yards. He's six yards away from the 100-yard bonus. Plus a potential touchdown. All of a sudden, we're talking about how awesome Tyreek Hill was in Week One. Now mm-hmm. we're not because he only scored only scored eighteen fantasy points.
1: Yeah, so, and, yeah. and perhaps. But yeah, perhaps his price goes up too. So yeah, eight catches on 12 targets, didn't get in the end zone. Waddle got in the end zone, but obviously game to game, it very well could be either both of them or Tyreek Hill over Jalen Waddle. So absolutely understand that. And again, forty-four and a half and a half point total. It might seem low to everybody, but if you actually look at all the totals here, it's really close to some of the totals like, like Atlanta and the Rams, uh, Colts and Jags. They're all kind of in the same neighborhood and there's only a few games that really go beyond 48, 49 points. So speaking of one of those games. This one's so interesting. I've I've got Santana Moss behind me. He's holding up the Sean Taylor 21, if you're watching us on YouTube. I'm a Washington Commanders fan. I am not misled by beating the Jacksonville Jaguars by any means. But what is interesting to me is how Carson Wentz just peppered all of his primetime weapons. And, And I think against Detroit, who, for the record prior to this season, couldn't stop the run and couldn't stop the pass. And after week one, couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the pass. It seems to me that they can get exposed every which way, which makes a Carson Wentz stack really attractive. On the other side of the ball, I think a Jared Goff stack is interesting as as a contrarian stack because I don't think the Washington secondary is very good. And frankly, if Trevor Lawrence was above average last week, he would have hit probably for a couple more touchdowns. We we saw early in, in those one o'clock games that he missed Travis Etienne on a bunny, on an easy one. That you know that would have changed our narrative on Travis Etienne most likely for, for going into week two and, and the rest of the season as well. So I think Goff has some opportunity here as well. DeAndre Swift, I should note, is a guy who uh, I don't think he practiced today. He's expected to play. Uh, he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So just clarifying that. But he is expected to play. He played it down. as not a big deal, but it's certainly something to monitor. Wentz, 27 for 41, four touchdowns and 313 yards, plus a couple of interceptions. I got to bring up a Ross St. Brown before I kick it to you, Mike. This guy is truly on fire and he continues to not get the respect he deserves. He's 6,500. At this point, especially against the Washington secondary, I think this is a gigantic bargain, especially knowing that we're not 100% sure about Swift. I think Amon Ra is a staple for my cash games. I think he's a staple for a Wentz run back, maybe with Swift, maybe without Swift. But let me just drop some stats on you. Eight or more receptions in seven straight games. In seven straight games, one away from the record set by Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas, also has a touchdown in five straight games. This guy is absolutely on fire. Um, What say you? Let's start with the Detroit side of the ball, and then we'll get to a potential win stack, which it sounds like you like quite a bit. Uh, Amon St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, maybe Jared Goff, TJ Hawkinson. Where are we on those guys?
0: Uh, look, I mean, they're all in the player pool, especially if you're stacking up the other side of the game. Uh, I have interest in stacking both sides of the game. Almondo St. Brown is so interesting to me. I'm glad you mentioned that there because yes, he probably is a bargain at $6,500. He's also in the same price range as Tyreek Hill and Michael Thomas. And Mm -hmm. when I say price range you know, anyone within five to 600 bucks on these receivers, uh, at this point at 6,500, I consider that to be a very similar price range, um, So he's not going to have the ownership that he should. I bet it'll be single digit ownership still in tournaments uh, because of the relevance to Tyree Kill and Michael Thomas on the price points. Um, I like him. I I like him a lot. I think it's a great bring back for a win stack. I actually don't even mind playing golf. If you want to play golf with with St. Brown, I think it's okay. Um, Other guys, Swift is going to be incredibly popular on the Detroit side. I don't mind it. I don't love it. I'm very middling on it. I think that if I end up playing him, it'll mostly be matching the field. I'm not going to take a hard stance on trying to get over or under uh, my exposure personally to where I think the field is. Um, Hawkinson is kind of interesting. I expect there to be a big week at some point for him, but I don't like to play him this week personally. Uh, So I'm going to avoid it there. Uh, and then on the other side, I, I like Wentz. I like all the receivers. You mentioned Samuel. I think that's probably the biggest one to talk about. Um, Dotson got the touchdowns. I would expect Dotson's ownership to be slightly infa- inflated to his true value because of scoring the two touchdowns last week. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, he's still a very fair price point at 4200 uh, so totally reasonable to play him. Uh, but I would for, I prefer
1: Samuel. Yeah. So we see it here. We have the our producer bringing this up, Jahan Dotson, 4,200. Three receptions on five targets for 40 yards, which is like, okay, but two touchdowns. So uh, Curtis Samuel, eight of 11. So he had 11 targets, caught eight of them, 55 yards and a touchdown. Uh, again, you're thinking DraftKings, you're thinking PPR. If he gets somewhere near that target share, which in an alleged shootout, he certainly could. Um, you're looking at like, You know, a ground floor that's pretty good for Curtis Samuel, maybe not so much with Dotson, but certainly uh, to me, they have equivalent upside, in my opinion, both Dotson and Curtis Samuel. So you just have to make a decision on on where you want to stand there. Uh, Anybody else on the Washington side? I think Antonio Gibson is really interesting. He had eight targets as well. Last week, he caught seven of them. He had a total of 21 touches, 130 yards. Uh, He's, the you know, again, Brian Robinson obviously is not in this game. J.D. McKissick is certainly a target threat, but clearly they're going to use, while they have two running backs that are active, they're going to use Antonio Gibson in a passing role as well. So does Gibson sort of fit into any of these stacks or any of these run backs?
0: Yeah, he does for me. Um, Look, I think that it's just another player that I would be comfortable playing over Leonard Fournette. Uh, I project them very, very similarly in these matchups. Yes, there's a little little more safety uh, with Leonard Fournette's situation, I guess, and the usage. But I personally believe we're going to see a replication of what we saw last week with Antonio Gibson in the passing game. If you can pencil me in for anywhere close to eight targets in the passing game, I I, I like it. Considering that I'm projecting him for almost half the ownership of Leonard Fournette and a cheaper price tag. Uh, Yeah, I, I like him.
1: Let me ask you this because I think people will be interested in the manner in which how aggressive you might be, and I know Mike, you're aggressive in both cash and tournaments, uh, or at least I should say in cash, you're more aggressive than the, than the standard player in terms of stacking yeah. and, and runbacks and things of that nature. But let's just talk about GPP. Let's say we're playing a, a single entry tournament, but it's a pretty big one. It's got like you know five thousand entries in it or something like that, three thousand. Let's 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 talk about those types of numbers. How aggressive is is aggressive in in a good way when it comes to stack. Let's say I want Carson Wentz, and I want to stack him with, uh, let's say, Curtis Samuel, and I want to bring it back with Amon Ross St. Brown. But what else? You know, I could certainly see a scenario where you're stacking Carson Wentz with maybe McLaurin and Dotson or maybe McLaurin and Samuel. And then you bring it back with Amon Ra and DeAndre Swift, for example, a pass catching back who can certainly find the end zone. Uh, is is that the type of involvement that you would have in, in your stack with this particular game?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I tell you that in a single entry, I don't mind getting a little different too. Uh, This is a more unconventional stack, but it's one that works if we're correct on projecting Gibson the way we just talked about. I don't mind stacking it up with with Wentz and Gibson together. Um, Mm -hmm. So the reason you do that in the scenario you're doing that is we think Washington's essentially going to score 30 plus points in the game. If -hmm. Washington scores 30 plus points in the game, Pretty good shot We're capturing most of them if you've got Carson Wentz and the running back, knowing that Gibson's usage is expected to be quite high on that team. Um, so it's one of those situations. I do it in primetime games with the Chiefs, with quite uh, edwards E'Laire sometimes, just because he's active in the passing game, can get a rushing touchdown, can have that, that passing touchdown. Uh, I would play the same way in the single entry like that that you're talking about. Not many people in the field are going to stack the quarterback running back there. But we're talking about a running back that had eight targets, seven catches. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost the equivalent of playing and stacking up with the tight end it, at that point, right? It's a tight end that can take handoffs and run in the end zone at that point. And
1: would you be okay stacking a receiver with that stack as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I would
0: yeah. recommend it. I would take a stance on the receiver you like the most, stack it with the quarterback and the running back, and you're hopefully capturing the majority of the team's 30 points cuz we're you know we're for this to really work for it to really pay off in a tournament you know
1: you're looking for four plus touchdowns you know between those three players. Fantastic. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. Probably a a pretty popular game, but the good news with that is you can kind of alter your roster construction just like Mike was suggesting. You can do some of those unconventional things that most people are are just not going to want to do or if you if you're not comfortable with that Gibson stack uh with Wentz for example as as sort of a an, an alternative stack there's a lot of players in this game there's there's Dotson there's Samuel there's Logan Thomas who found his way on the field last week he caught three or six targets he played over 50 percent of the plays I expect that to sort of trend up as each as he gets healthier and more confident in, in his uh recovering from his inner injury so there's a lot of guys uh even on the Detroit side that you can stack including Hawkinson uh Shark there's there's a lot you can do with this game. So uh, feel free to be creative. Okay, we just covered six games. We're gonna cover six more, but, and then we're gonna touch on Showdown and our favorite plays. But first we're gonna hear a message from our partners. And we are back. I am and Ajad. That's Mike McClure. We're doing our standard live Thursday game-by-game preview. We just talked about Washington and Detroit, a super, super interesting game. I'm not sure how interesting this next game is, but I do think it has some potential. A 45.5-point total. It's a 3.5-point spread. It's the Indianapolis Colts favored by 3.5 at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know the big-ticket guys on the Indianapolis side. It's Michael Pittman, who really paid everybody off last week. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor, who people are going to want to play against Jacksonville. On the other side of the ball, I, you know, I, I don't know other than Christian Kirk. I'm not 100% sure I'm interested in anybody here. But let's start with Indy, Mike. Where are we at on Indy on this slate?
0: Uh, I think I'm completely off of it. Um, look, if Pittman plays, I, I expect him to still shoot up and play. Uh, I'm never going to say, no, you can't play him. Um, But mostly off here, I expect a really a much better effort from the team in general. But I I think it ultimately ends up on both sides of the football, setting up some shorter fields. I think it's most likely a Jonathan Taylor game that ends up being a big game. Um, The issue is, is the price point at that point? I believe he's up to ninety nine hundred dollars, which is a significant difference from Saquon Barkley, who. we're we're definitely have interest in playing. Uh, We already talked about Swift. There's just a number of running backs. So I don't think it's necessary when there's kind of a lack of top tier wide receiving talent and tight end talent on the slate. I think it makes, you know, a a little sense to get there, but ultimately I'm going to pass on the game overall as of right now, but I don't need to tell you this. Jonathan Taylor is playable every single week of the season.
1: Absolutely. And and I think I'm going to be away from this game, too. I, I mean, Etienne and James Robinson, I think they're going to kind of cancel each other out. We're not exactly sure what no. Etienne's workload is going to be after a horrific game one where he just, well, it wasn't all on him. Trevor missed him on a touchdown, but uh, he didn't have a good game otherwise either. So there might be some doghouse issues going on with uh, Travis Etienne.
0: Yeah, I think so. And quickly on this game, the, the other player that I don't think is a problem to play is Christian Kirk. Uh, you know, if yeah. you're going to see double digit targets That price point, it's kind of in that same range of those middling wide receivers we've been talking about. One off play, but I don't think you need to feel the need to stack him up. I I don't recommend playing Lawrence. I don't recommend jamming him in to try and make a cold stack or anything like that. Uh, But he is playable because I do think he will see double digit targets because I think this team's going to be trailing every week they play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely liked Christian Kirk last week, um, as I said on the Thursday show, but he was 5,100 last week and he's 5,700 this week. It, it is uh, somewhat of a difference. I mean, to me, uh, he he definitely is going to need to see similar targets and, and perhaps get in the end zone for me to be super happy with um with the Christian Kirk play. So likely off of him this week, whereas I was all over him last week. So uh, let's go to our, our next game. We don't have to spend too much time on Indy Jacks. Let's talk about Atlanta and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this is a 46.5-point total. The Rams are favored by 10 and a half. Uh, I, I'll note that, you know, these lines, these totals, like teams have implied totals. So the implied total for the Rams is 28 and a half. That's kind of important, I think. Like we don't have a lot of high implied totals. Uh, so 28 and a half is certainly one of the higher ones. Uh, obviously, the Rams looked really really bad last week their o-line is banged up they, they lost their center uh week one and they had some issues on their offensive line uh prior to that as well daryl henderson is an interesting guy we talked about him tuesday i'm like i'm going to ask you about him because i know you were pretty high on him tuesday nothing has changed in the last two days uh he got 80 percent of the snaps a little over 80 percent actually in week one he only had 3.6 yards per carry it certainly wasn't super impressive five receptions for 26 yards uh on the other side of the ball cordwell patterson uh Damian Damian Williams got hurt and Corderwell got all the touches, 25 touches, 136 yards and a touchdown. He also caught three or five targets for 16 yards. Uh, And Drake London, a guy that we've been on, Mike, for this offseason and and this show um, since you've been back with us. uh, He ran routes on over 80 percent of dropbacks. He caught five of seven targets for 74 yards. So those are some of the names that I was somewhat interested in. Uh, But who are you interested in? Let's start with the Rams side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about Henderson first. Uh, He's definitely in my player pool. You know, look, if I just straight optimize my projections, it wants me to play him at 100% of lineups. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get that carried away on it, but I am certainly going to have him, you know, decent exposure to Henderson. The only thing that we can say about that is like, is there a chance that we get to week two here and Cam Akers has a big role again? It's very possible, right? It's the NFL and Sean McVay. Like, it's very, very possible. Yeah. Um, Henderson's going to be very popular, too. Um, When I see a player like this that's pretty popular, we have a one-game sample size. The one game we saw was not exactly what we were all expecting. It makes you a little nervous, right? I, I do think that there is definitely a scenario here where the touches are magically even again between Henderson and Akers here in week two. Um, which is terrifying, right? I would almost prefer it to be a one-game slate, like a showdown slate. That, that's okay then. The problem is, is it's not a one-game slate that we're talking about, and if that role decreases really at all, probably not someone you want to be playing, right? So I want to caution on Henderson as much as I do love him, as much as the projections will love him. I still think it's kind of a fragile situation.
1: Yeah, my, my thought there is, yeah, it could be 80-20, Uh, on sunday but it could also be 70 30 it could be 60 40 it could be 50 50 i don't think we're going to see a situation in week two where all of a sudden cam Akers has more touches or more carries than daryl henderson but we can't just lean on an 80 80, 20 split uh we just we we don't know so i mean i I actually like the play i'm with you on daryl henderson 5700 is a great price it makes a lot of things work in your lineup but it's not the type of guy that i'm going to be you know Overweight on by by any stretch of the imagination. Honestly, I wasn't super impressed with what he did with the ball when he had it either. Uh, The the pass catchers, however, I mean Cooper Cup ninety nine hundred. Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. Ninety nine hundred is a it's a hefty price tag. If you if you play that, and you you mentioned well one way to play it is is a stack with Stafford, and that certainly makes sense because Stafford is a reasonable sixty three hundred. So it makes your stack you know somewhat economical because of the Stafford price, but. Cooper cup. I mean, is this, is this a guy that's going to be in your player pool? I'm assuming the answer is yes, but it's tough.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's going to be in my player pool. You know, the last time he failed to have double digit PPR fantasy points. Um, it looks like it was week 15 of the 2020 season when they lost to the jets, 23 to 20. Um, he didn't have, yeah. Yeah. It's been absolutely incredible. He hasn't scored less than 29.9 in any of his last four. It's absolutely incredible what he's doing. So, yeah, he's in my player pool for sure. The question becomes, are you willing to play him over Devontae Adams? I, I think that that's probably the the biggest decision of the week. Um, if you're paying up for wide receiver, Devontae could be as much as double the ownership on Cooper Cup. That's the question of the week. So they're both in my player pool. I definitely got more Devontae. Just love the overall game environment a lot more. But Cooper Cup's in my player pool, I'll have one lineup with them for sure.
1: So yeah, spoiler alert. My chalk play on our cheat sheet, which we'll get to at the end of the show. Devonte Adams is my guy there. So if I if I have to choose between the two, it is going to be Devonte Adams. I'm going to obviously get some pieces of that game, which has the highest total, which we're going to get to in a second. But yeah, I, I don't know if Cooper Cup's going to make my pool or not, Mike. I, I'm just you know I I haven't done enough lineup constructions to see like whether it's going to make sense or not. But let me ask you this: If you're stacking this game with Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. Are are you putting anyone else in there? And who are you bringing it back with, if anybody?
0: I don't think I'd be bringing it back. Uh, I really don't. I think that, you know, we mentioned this with another game, with the Washington game. This one does kind of project as one where if we're confident that Henderson gets all the work, you know, if you want to bet on that again, it's a scenario where I think you could go full on onslaught in in some of the tournaments and you might find a lot of success. There's a scenario here where the Rams – put up 35 points. You get one or two on the ground from Henderson. You've got um, you've got Stafford there to Cooper Cup. That gets you one or two other scores with 100 yards, 10 catches, and you're, you're sitting pretty at that point. So I'm not bringing it back with anyone if I'm playing it. It would be a lot of Henderson solo, and then a little bit of Cup solo, and then you could stack them up if you want to. But overall, I don't think it's a really great game stack unless you really think that the uh, the Rams defense is going to struggle here.
1: So what's interesting about this game and the implied total and just the, the, the big spread we have here is uh, one of the things I think you were just getting at with your last statement is like the Rams could really kind of put the foot down here and, and absolutely blow the Atlanta Falcons out and kind of like make take you know, almost take their frustration out on the Falcons and, and put a message out to the league like we're not the team that you saw last week on national television, you know, on the opening night, which is, you know, just kind of an embarrassing moment for a Rams team that was so good the year prior winning the Super Bowl. So I I think there could be, you know, something to that where they keep their foot on the gas. And, and that's the only reason I'm bringing that up is our next game is the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. And I am kind of bullish on the 49ers this week, on Trey Lance, on Debo Samuel, on this offense in general. And it's partly because of that narrative where they were embarrassed by one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NFL. I mean, we'll see. But the Chicago Bears, they don't have anything. What they did have going for them was the elements. And I firmly believe this is just my opinion. I firmly believe that a young quarterback in Trey Lance and learning a system and and having one of his, you know, one of his first starts with the team. I just don't think he was ready for that moment. Maybe he also just doesn't play well in the rain. It was an away game too. It probably wasn't super comfortable not to have George Kittle either, or Elijah Mitchell injured at the Front end of the game. I know I'm making excuses, but guess what? He's not going to have the rain this week. He's going to be at home. He's going to play a Seattle defense that really can get exposed through the air in particular. We know Trey Lance can run the ball. We know that's he's like kind of a discount Jalen Hurts at this point of his in his career. He hasn't, he hasn't proved anything yet, but I think that's the the model of quarterback we have here. I I'm going to play some Trey Lance, both in tournaments and cash. I'm going to play some Debo Samuel. I'm going to play a lot of Debo Samuel, actually. And I might even have a stack with Trey Lance and Debo, and I know they kind of eat off of each other's plate a little bit here, but to me, it's similar to what you were saying about Carson Wentz and, and Antonio Gibson. It's not exactly the same, but Debo's going to line up in the backfield. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up out. He's going to line up out wide. And if San Francisco decides to put their foot on Seattle's throat, if they get up ahead, I really think they're going to keep, I think they're going to keep the gas down. I really do.
0: Yeah, no, I could not agree with you more. And I do think that, you know, the elements had a huge impact on that game from Trey Lance. Uh, Look, watching someone get hurt, if you know the field is wet, sloppy, you lost a fumble already. I definitely think there's a little caution there from him. Um, And then, of course, Kittle potentially being back here, Debo Samuel back in a role that's maybe even more comfortable for Debo. Uh, Yeah, I think all great things here for the Niners. As much as I love them all, I'm probably not playing a ton of them, but I Mm -hmm. totally understand why you would want to, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this. I'm going to – in this game, I'm going to pull more Debo out than anything. I just like the versatile nature of him and and how – because they don't have a lot of reliability at any other position, including the quarterback, I think you're going to see the ball in Debo's hands quite a bit. So Debo's going to be the main guy that I play out of this game, but I will just take a chance on some Trey Lance and Debo stacks. I think you could even, if you really wanted to get different in a big tournament, you want to have a silver bullet lineup. I think a Trey Lance with Brandon Ayuk is interesting. Brandon Ayuk ran routes on 100% of, uh, of Trey Lance's dropbacks. So that's there's something to be said for that. If he can get behind this defense, we know how good he is yards after the catch as well, both him and Debo. So I think Brandon Ayuk at 5,100 is really interesting, particularly in a Lance stack, because guess what? That lets you do a lot of things with a 5,700 Trey Lance and a 5,100 Brandon Ayuk. Now it's risky. It's super risky, but I think that's something you can consider in this game. On the other side of the ball, DK Metcalf looked really good. He kind of gave me some of those like Michael Thomas vibes in the sense that he just he just snatches the ball out of the air. He's so good at the point of catch. Yeah. He's going to be probably the most heavily targeted guy in this game. It's an it's more likely a negative game script for the Seattle Seahawks. I know we said that last week about the Broncos, but I'm pretty confident here that it is, they are going to be in a trail position. Is DK Metcalf on the radar here on the Seattle side in any way? And is anybody on this side of the ball on your radar?
0: Not really. Um Let me rephrase it. If you're playing Trey Lance or Debo, then yes, I I think that he can certainly be on the radar. Um, Other than that, the answer is going to be no for me because I am not confident in that offense at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just not. I know that they just beat the Broncos. It was a huge emotional spot. They played okay. But I don't even want to say they played
1: okay. They scored zero points in the second half of that game. That's right. And still won the football game.
0: Uh, and, and
1: and the Broncos should have scored like f- at least fourteen in the second half. A yes. minimum. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. A minimum. And if that happens, even one of those scores happen, do we see Geno Smith turn the football over potentially? Right. So mm-hmm. I I don't want any part of the Seattle side personally. Uh, I look, there are scenarios where DK Metcalf does what he does catches everything, thrown his way, breaks one for 75 yards. Um, I think that's what you're going to need. I think you're going to need a 75-yard touchdown. I don't think you're going to have that 100-yard game by just having eight catches mm-hmm. for 100 yards and a touchdown. I, I think you're going to need that big play. And at 6,300 on a slate this big, I am not going to bank on that.
1: Yeah, I think, again, if you're if you're looking for contrarian stacks, I think a Trey Lance stack with either Debo, Brandon Ayuk, and perhaps a DK Metcalf runback, Listen, we saw Geno Smith, he, he did look pretty good last week. And we saw last week as well that Sa- the San Francisco secondary, which we already knew, can absolutely get exposed way more often in the secondary than than with the front seven, with San Francisco's front seven. So there is a scenario where the implied total for the Seattle Seahawks of 16.25, you know, you know gets up there way past 20. There is a scenario there. And I do want to point out that San Francisco's implied total is 25.25. So it's one of the, you know, it's not the highest by any means, but it's certainly one of the higher ones on the slate. Again, that's a, only a 41 and a half point total. Uh, it's a nine point. Uh, I think I might have said ten. San Francisco is favored by nine in that game, but a ten point spread. Mike, is this next one, and it's another team that kind of got embarrassed a little bit on national television, uh, much like the uh, Los Angeles Rams did against the Bills and you know the Niners in, in a different context. They're favored by 10 points over the Houston Texans. It's a 45-point total. I think there's a lot of intriguing pieces on the Denver side. Obviously, we have Russell Wilson at quarterback. Javante Williams got a ton of targets last week. I'd be interested for your opinion on are we going to see that type of target share or anything close to that with Javante Williams in the future? But then, of course, we have Courtland Sutton and Jerry Judy and a very popular, suddenly popular, Albert O. On that side of the ball, what are you looking at here? I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a little indecisive on all all of these guys. I think I'm just going to avoid this side of the ball, but they do have a 27 and a half point implied total. They did get embarrassed a little bit. This is a time where maybe they they put their foot on the gas all four quarters as well.
0: Yeah, I think that they're going to put the foot on the gas all four quarters. Um, it's another one where in tournaments, you know, it's only a strategy if you're playing 20 plus lineups, but. Just like Washington, just like the Rams, uh, it fits the bill. You could play Russell Wilson, Javante, and Jerry Judy together. Or you can play running back, quarterback, tight end if you really want to. Uh, I think that Albert O is super interesting because he has a touchdown missing from his box score, essentially. He was tackled at the half-yard line um, on a on a route in that game. It was a theme. Um, you could say Javante has a touchdown missing from his box score as well. Fumbled going into the end zone. Um, Look, there's a lot missing on the box scores there for some of those players. Also, Russell Wilson. Um, I think it's a huge, huge bounce back spot for them. I'm going to have a Russell Wilson lineup. I will be 100% honest with you here. I am yet to decide who else is in it. Um, It might be Javante. It might just be Jerry Judy. It might be both of them. Uh, But as far as the Judy versus Sutton debate, I will firmly stand on the Jerry Judy side. And I'm looking for him to make some very electric plays here. Uh, and I do think they keep the foot on the pedal. It's a home game for them. I think it's, you know, Russ's home debut. I really like them to put
1: up some points. I like it. All right. Well, speaking of putting up points, the highest total, and I think we can. Let's cover this game, and then we'll go right into our cheat sheet. We'll just touch on Cincinnati-Dallas for a second. Honestly, I think the Cincinnati defense is is probably all we want out of this game, although we talked about on Tuesday some of the other defenses right in that range that, that are pretty solid. But Arizona at the Las Vegas Raiders, 51.5 point total. The Raiders are favored by about 5.5. It was 6. It's teetering on 5.5-ish right now. Um, Vegas with an implied total of 28.5, Zona with 23. Neither of these secondaries can cover. Are we just going to focus on the passing game here, Mike?
0: Yeah, it's mostly going to be the passing game for me. I mean, you could play James Conner if you want to, but it's all about the passing game. It's a a lot about Devontae Adams. Uh, You know, we mentioned earlier with Tyreek Hill scheming to get him the football. That happens and doesn't happen intentionally with Devontae Adams. He's just that good at football, but they also certainly want to put the ball in his hands. Um, So it starts right there with Devontae. I'm not worried about the ownership levels at all. it should be an incredibly competitive game in my mind. I full disclosure, I'm on Arizona plus six from earlier in the week. Uh, I make this line closer to three. So I, I do like um, the Arizona side a little bit, but it starts with uh, Devonte Adams. I'm certainly playing Derek Carr stacked up with him. I'm going to play Greg Dortch because it looks like he is going to be the automatic value play of the week. Once again, I say automatic once again, we talked about him last week. Certainly wasn't, The automatic Mm -hmm. value play for everyone in the industry, but it looks like he's going to be relevant again this week. So free square if you want it on DraftKings, Greg Dortch. And then as far as the rest of the game goes, like love Marquise Brown, love James Conner. You can play Waller if you want to. Um, There's a plethora of options in this game, and I'm going to have them all across my lineups.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have those all too. I'm I'm going to have Derek Carter, Devontae Adams. I'll probably have it double stacked uh, in certain scenarios with Darren Waller specifically. I think there is an alternative scenario, by the way, where Josh Jacobs gets uh, a ton of carries and falls in the end zone a couple times, like we discussed last week. So if you wanted to play different pieces from this lineup, but you you wanted pieces of this game, but you wanted to stack, let's say Detroit, Washington. I think a contrarian piece could be a Josh Jacobs piece, and then uh, on the other side, maybe a pick uh, a Dorch to make your lineup make sense, or or Marquise Brown, who I. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to scheme for successfully against the Raiders secondary because Marquise just didn't get enough targets last week, plain and simple. Dortch should not be out targeting uh, Marquise Brown. I like Greg Dortch again this week, so I'll be on him yet again. Thank you, Mike, for that one uh, last week. All right, let's get into our cheat sheet. I, I, let me just bring up Cincinnati-Dallas really quick. Um, anybody other than the Cincinnati defense here?
0: Yes. Um, and this, it sounds crazy. Um, let me, let me pull it up to get the price point real quick for you, but uh, all right. We've talked about this last year on a couple episodes. Whenever you have a backup quarterback coming in, we like to look for some of the secondary and third receivers guys that they typically work with a lot more in practice in those situations One of them obviously was promoted this year on the depth chart with the exit of Amari Cooper. Uh, But Noah Brown had spent a lot of time working with the backups in the second unit here at $3,800 in an almost guaranteed negative game script while playing on the home field. I think you could do a lot worse when looking for a value play than than someone Mm -hmm. like Noah Brown. So, you know, it's also an interesting leverage spot because we know that, Cincinnati is going to be the highest owned defense by a pretty significant margin on this slate. It's essentially a free square. Um, I like Noah Brown. He he saw nine targets, only caught five of them, but he saw nine targets in that last game.
1: I think he could do a lot worse at
0: 3,800.
1: Yeah, I like that play quite a bit. All right, so uh, I completely get that. I'll be playing some Cincinnati defense, but again, there's some defenses to pivot to right in that range. I do want to point out in that Raiders game that um, Kyler Murray, listen, you can stack him too with Marquise Brown, with Greg Dorch, but probably Marquise Brown, maybe you add Greg Dorch and you run it back with a couple of Raiders. So uh, you can do a lot, of, a lot of things with that 51 and a half point total. Uh, but let's get to our cheat sheet real quick. I'll just do mine real quick and then we'll get to yours, Mike. My, my stack, my favorite stack, we just talked about it. Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. There's other players in this game, namely Darren Waller for me, but that's my favorite stack. My value is Curtis Samuel. My chalk play, Devontae Adams. I just talked about him. Contrarian Debo looks like he's trending at 5% or less. I'm happy to play Debo at that at that number. And my fade is going to be Mike Evans, not necessarily because of the injury, but a popular Mike Evans here. I'm, I'm just going to go in, in a different direction. Mike, what about you?
0: Uh, Stack, I'm going Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews. Uh, It's mostly the combination of the two in terms of their projections, both on floor, ceiling, and ownership. Uh, I like stacking those two together. My value play, Greg Dortch. Uh, We kind of mentioned it already. Love this spot for Arizona. I think it's neutral to negative game script most of the way. I really think he has some good chemistry already with Kyler Murray. Love that spot. Uh, Chalk play, Saquon Barkley. Just simply too cheap, don't care about the ownership, 7300 From what we saw last week, if he's healthy again this week, he's an $8,500 running back. Contrarian play, Mark Andrews, I'm listing it contrarian. It may not be quite the criteria for a contrarian play. However, looking at the ownership I'm seeing on Albert O and just the overall usage of quarterbacks, I don't think he's going to be as popular as he should be. So I'm going with Mark Andrews there. And then my fade, if you will listen to the episode already, you probably know it's Leonard Fournette. I'm off Leonard Fournette here. Come yell at me when he scores two touchdowns and probably only has 28 yards when he
1: does it. But
0: I am off Leonard Fournette this week.
1: All right. Well, that's our cheat sheet. We're actually going to put that out on Twitter. So take a look for that. Um, look for our contest next week. We're going to have it out there Tuesday before our Tuesday show. Real quick, Mike, 30 seconds. Who are your favorite captains tonight uh, in the Chargers game? Uh, like maybe give it, maybe two or three captains and two or three flex plays that you like, including maybe a contrarian one.
0: Yeah, so captains, uh, we're not getting super cute on it. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler. The only one that I think is somewhat cute here is Jarek McKinnon. I have a lot of Jarek McKinnon tonight. I think there are scenarios where he has a pretty big game in terms of catching passes out of the backfield. I think that the Chargers are going to be able to put more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I expect a few dump-offs here. Hopefully one of them lands in the end zone for him. Uh, Trey McKitty, free square over there on DraftKings. I'm going to have him in about 35% uh, of my lineups, which is a lot considering the role that he has. And Josh Palmer versus Carter. I'm going to go back on the Josh Palmer side. Um, I expect him to have the bigger game over Carter.
1: Agree. I Carter can get deep, but I, I do like Palmer there. And Gerald Everett's a pretty reasonable price too with Keenan out. All those guys we just mentioned will get more targets. That we got to get out of here, but that is our game-by-game preview. We'll have some some tweets out in, in the next couple of days. Monitor the practice reports. We do have some guys that are kind of lingering with injuries, but we're gonna see you on Tuesday. We'll do the recap. We'll do our early look. Thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been Fantasy Football Today, DFS.